Good morning. So this morning's talk will be speaking a little bit more about your priesthood. Because many of you, um, when I asked the first time, had no idea that you were priests. But we got a little bit of a taste of that when we went over the kingly function, that first talk, when I said, offer it up, right? Offering and making spiritual sacrifices is part of the priesthood, part of our, our, our priesthood by our baptism. When also we enter or into any sacrament, that is a priestly action. When we're praying, most especially the liturgy of the hours, which is a liturgy that is a priestly action. Um, all of us have a priestly function, the priestly function of offering. What I'd like to do in this morning's talk is begin to show you how to integrate your baptism, my baptism, in these different areas. And they're going to be integrated today as we celebrate Mass a little bit later on. If you participate. How do we participate? Well, first of all, if you remember in the first talk when I was referring to the little girl and the drug dealer. Okay, and we went out there and we made a decision that we're going to intervene somehow, but all of a sudden, both of them were gone. And we had no way of bringing to conclusion that emotion of anger that had begun in us in a natural way. Therefore, as children of our Heavenly Father, we're able to make spiritual sacrifices so we're able to bring that anger to a spiritual conclusion because we're unable to in the natural way by bringing a resolution or bringing justice to the situation where we experienced, where we perceived injustice. So we did a little offering, right? We offered it up. We offered it to God. What was it that we're offering? a sacrifice that we're experiencing. Not only the sacrifice that my anger there was unable to come to its conclusion, but later on in the day when I was at the dinner table and I wanted to shout at my brothers, but I made a little sacrifice there. I held my tongue because there, was crumbs, there were crumbs on the butter and I wanted to shout, but I decided that would be unjust, so I'm not going to shout, and I have to bite my tongue because that my little motor for anger is really powerful, and it, it, it produces a lot within me, and I don't like to hold that in because it's uncomfortable, and I want to let it out, but if I let it out, I also know that I'm going to be unjust. So I'm going to decide not to. So I offer it up, that little sacrifice. And I'm probably not offering it for my brothers at that point. Maybe I'm going back and offering. Maybe seven times within five minutes at the dinner table, because it's really like, for whatever reason, crumbs on the butter bug me. So I'm going to offer it up again. 
And then I look over and I can't, my eyes can't stop looking at the butter. So I offer it up again. And I offer it up seven times and the eighth time, I can't help it. Ah! Okay. Do not forget that you made at least seven little good sacrifices. Even if you didn't win the battle, you won a few little skirmishes. Don't forget that because that is what you're going to bring as a priest. Here, your priestly and your kingly function are going to be integrated when you bring that to the next mass that you go to. And I'm going to show you how that priestly function helps you to bring that to its completion. Okay, so you then last yesterday afternoon, I spoke about our prophetic function. And most of us are pretty unaware or pretty weak in our, our prophetic function. We don't really understand what the Lord's gifts are that he gave to us to accomplish the mission. And a lot of it is because we're just immature or uneducated in this particular area, and it's an area where we need the Holy Spirit to come and teach us, or maybe we have to do some own personal studying or some, some growing discernment in this area. How does the Lord manifest his mission through me? And I need to start listening. What do people say? So, if you recall, when I was talking about Brother Gabriel doing music, or, I mean, we've got a young man working for us. His name is David. He's got the charisma of craftsmanship. He can put things together. He's a, a wood carver, and it's just like, wow, it's amazing. Craftsmanship. Those that sometimes you have architects that have this charism of, of, of craftsmanship. They can make things and put things together in a way that, that reveals something of the creator's beauty in what they do. Or an artist. Some artists, you look at the painting and your heart is moved. Okay, that's craftsmanship. Okay, maybe like the Carmelite sisters, you have the, the, the charism of hospitality. I don't know how many of you have experienced being here in Carmel, this little interior garden in the middle of Los Angeles, as a place where you've experienced welcome enough so that you're comfortable to be able to come and in a peaceful manner experience God's presence. Hospitality is a charism of the Carmelites. Maybe it's Rosalie who's there in the library that her, her personal charisms also fit well with the sister's charism and she helps aid that hospitality. Okay, so when, when you go and you tell the sisters, thank you for your hospitality, and she's going to go, oh, no, no, no. And then what are you going to say? Be quiet, sister, and just say, you're welcome. 
Okay, we need to start listening to what people are thanking us for. And if you're not sure what they're thanking you for, be a little bit more specific. And it's like, oh, thank you for, um, you know, thank you. Uh, what are you thanking me for? Oh, you know, just things. <laughs> what kind of things? Okay. When you said this to me, God spoke to me through you. There, I said it. And it's like, thank you. I'm going to bring that to the next Mass. Do you want to hear a funny one? Have you ever heard of Cardinal Sunans? He's passed away now, but he was um, one of the cardinals of Belgium, and he was a, a profound preacher. He was um, in charge. The, Paul VI put him in charge of the charismatic renewal, and he wasn't charismatic, but he, that was his area of governance. And so he had to learn a lot, and he did these big, huge com- uh, charismatic conventions in late 70s, early 80s in Kansas City. And 10 years later, after one of those conferences, he was at another talk and someone came up to him and he said, Cardinal Sunans, excuse me for saying this, but I I just want to thank you because um, in Kansas City, 10 years ago, something you said changed my life. And, And I just wanted to thank you for that. Okay, so what did he say? Oh, thank you. Do you recall what it was that I said? Do you see the clarification there? And he goes, of course I do. I, I, I almost hear it every day. And he said, he told Cardinal Sunans, this is what you said. This concludes the first part. Now I will proceed to the second. The first part of his talk was finished, and that was his transition statement. But the man heard that my life up to now has been lived one way, and now I can proceed to live a different way. It's Cardinal Sunans had to be there to speak, but it didn't matter what he said. He didn't know this transition statement was going to change the life of some person out that he was speaking to, But the cardinal said, thank you, because we have to realize it's not about us. Charisms and our prophetic mission are not us. They're through us for others. And so when someone says, thank you, you need to start practicing saying, okay, thank you for what? Okay, you're welcome. What was it that I did or said? And then once they tell you, say, Thank you. I'm going to bring that to the next Mass. And they're going to look at you very strange. And that's okay. Because we're maturing as children of God, and we're all at different stages. And it's good to be right where you are. Because our Father loves us right where we are. Did you hear me say that? The Father loves us right where we are. And he's going to continue to father us forward. So, we have our prophetic function. If you don't know what that is yet, that's okay. Start asking for a greater understanding through the Holy Spirit of how he manifests 
the mission of redemption through you. But when you do hear that, we're going to start integrating that with our priestly function so that we become more integrated as children of God, our priestly function and our prophetic function. So what is our priestly function? Has anyone ever heard the term, um, the Eucharist is the source and the summit? Okay, that's a theological term that comes from the Second Vatican Council. The source and the summit. Okay, so basically it comes from, it's the source, and then it goes back up to the summit. Okay, so there's a receiving and then a giving back. Okay, and the Eucharist, I'm going to start defining a few little a few little words because there's a few words that we use in Catholic lingo that don't necessarily translate into common English. Okay. Eucharist. How many times have you ever heard anyone that's not Catholic say Eucharist? Right? What does Eucharist mean? Well, I looked up this morning in Brother Webster, and he told me, I, I knew this before, Eucharist is an old Greek term, okay, and it means thanksgiving. Everyone in English, or at least in America, has heard of thanksgiving. You know what thanks is, and giving thanks is gratitude, okay? So the Eucharist is thanksgiving. Do you hear the word thanks? Okay, so are we hearing the prophetic, we're going to be doing something with that thanks because we're starting to recognize that God is doing something in us. He is the source, and we're going to bring back thanks. If you find Mass boring, you're boring <laughs> because you have no idea what your purpose in life is or where, where that's coming from and what it's for. Okay? So Eucharist means thanksgiving. How about the word sacrament? When's the last time you heard sacrament on TV or the radio or in a magazine? It's not, it's not a common American term or English term. Sacrament is a, it comes from a Latin term, sacramentum. But, you know, the, the scriptures weren't written in Latin. They were written in Greek, the New Testament, right? And the Greek word that got translated into Latin as sacramentum was mysterium. Now that's more, we have at least a derivative in English that comes from that, right? A mystery. What is a mystery? Right now for bedtime reading, a little nonsense information here. For bedtime reading, I'm reading Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Interesting little mysteries, right? Mysteries are something that we know is present in front of us, but we don't have all the information to understand the big picture of what's happening. Doesn't mean that because we don't understand that it doesn't exist. Right? Mystery is something that we can participate in by getting a growing understanding of clues to what is it that is before us. 
sacraments, all of the seven sacraments, are all seven mysteries. There is a mysterious blending of the divine and the human that is happening before us, and we're entering into a mystery. So when you use the word sacrament, in the East, they don't use the Latin because they're not the Latin Rite Church. They use the Eastern, the Eastern churches. They will call them the mysteries. Right? So it's helpful to understand some of our vocabulary when we're talking about these things. So when you as priests are coming to the mystery of thanksgiving or the sacrament of the Eucharist, as we translate it from the Latin, you come to participate. You come to participate in the sacrament. You come to participate in the mystery. And part of your participation is thanksgiving. Part of your participation is offerings. So as priests, each one of us participate actively, consciously, fully, as persons. We are each persons, and we are coming to worship a person, a divine person. The Eucharist is the worship of God the Father through Jesus and in the Holy Spirit. Because we all have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us who teaches us and brings us to participate in the continuation of Jesus' mission, bringing all creation back to the Father. Okay, so that's a little bit of the theology, right? How does that, pra what does that practically look like? Pope Benedict, in um, one of his encyclicals, is talking about the Eucharist, and he talks about one of the most simple but overlooked areas of the Mass, or the celebration of the Eucharist, or the celebration of Thanksgiving, okay? And it's called the offertory. And he says that this interval, the offertory, between the liturgy of the Word and the liturgy of the Eucharist, there's this little transition statement, right? Now we have completed this and we are moving on to this. But it's not insignificant because this is where you participate as a priest and I as a ministerial priest, am at your service. The offertory, and we'll have a little offertory procession. Often this happens at a Sunday Mass, maybe not on weekday Masses. But you know what you're bringing up, right? You're bringing up little pieces of bread. We call them hosts. Okay. If the sisters gave you one of these for breakfast and that's all they gave you, you'd probably still be hungry, right? Like as a piece of bread, it's really insignificant. 
and its insignificance is important. Because what you're offering in, in the grand scheme of things is pretty insignificant. Like, I'm holding my tongue because I don't want to shout at my brothers. Okay, and I do that seven times. Well, those little offerings, they're true, and they're little sufferings for me. But in the grand scheme of things, they're pretty insignificant. But that's okay because just watch what happens. So, your little offerings, all those little offerings that you made, little offering ups, little sacrifices, all those conscious, active, where you fully participated as a person in offerings and sacrifices out there, whether you were at school, teaching, working in the hospital, caring for older parents, um, caring for young children, raising teenagers, whatever it is, all those little sacrifices that you make from the last time that you went to Mass until now, at the offertory, when those, that little ciborium is coming up with a whole bunch of little hosts, that's where you are to be placing your little sacrifices there. Okay? And then I come down and I take them from you. And then I bring them up to the altar. Now, I can bring them up to the altar, and if I don't do that myself, bring my little sacrifices, I can be servicing you and not doing anything good for me. I, I've got two priesthoods here, and I've got to make sure that I'm doing both because I can be serving you and also going to hell. Right? Integral persons is what we're aiming for, maturing in the fullness, not only what I do, Lord, Lord, we did miracles in your name. I don't know who you are. It's true that we can do miracles in God's name and, and still go to hell, right? We want to be integral persons. So I'm bringing all of our sacrifices up there and let us start listening to what the prayers that I, as the ministerial priest, in the place of Christ, are, are, are offering. Have you ever seen the priest with his hands going like this? Do you know what I'm doing when I'm doing that? I'm asking the Lord to accept these sacrifices and make them holy. So, therefore, if your sacrifices were a little bit on the incomplete side or a little bit on the humble side, it's not you that make your sacrifices holy. It's the Holy Spirit, because they've been brought here and brought onto the altar, that they are becoming holy. Okay? So, what was a minute before that an insignificant piece of bread now is holy bread. If you've offered your sacrifices, it is the Holy Spirit that makes those sacrifices large, small, insignificant, holy. Your sacrifices become holy. Now, if I were to just pass out at that point, and, and this, this is left on the altar, it, it's holy bread. Right? You, you can't put it in the tabernacle because it's just holy bread. But you can't put it back in the cupboard 
because it's holy bread. There's a, a significant change in it, and we, we respect that change. Then, the next time, there's twice when I'm directed to call upon the Holy Spirit, I take the holy bread, and I am to pronounce the words of Jesus, and as I'm doing this, you'll see the priestly action, I'm supposed to bend towards it and speak to it, okay? This is my body. So what was five minutes before an insignificant piece of bread that wouldn't even satisfy us for breakfast has then become holy and then has become divine. Jesus becomes present in the Mass, in this mystery, and if you have offered your sacrifices and I have accepted them, brought them up, they are united to Christ's sacrifice because the mystery, we call this the Paschal mystery, we're entering into a mystery that somehow we're still veiled to, but we understand growing by faith his suffering, his death, his resurrection. So when you have brought your sacrifice, a spiritual sacrifice, your spiritual sacrifice has become incarnate. It has become united to Christ, who's not just spiritual. He took on flesh, and then he has offered all his very self to the Father, and his last words on the cross are, a little bit after that, it is, it is finished, it is accomplished, it is consummated, depends on the translation that you use. So therefore, when we hear that, what does that mean? That means that our sacrifices, let's go back to the anger that I was experiencing and that I had no natural way of bringing it to conclusion, I can, in my kingly function and in my priestly function, bring completion to things that are naturally unaccomplishable. It is finished, and therefore, I can shut that down. It has reached its justice in the justice of God. Jesus offering his very self to bring about redemption for everything. And then what? There's more. Then we come up and we receive Holy Communion. And so we receive and we're nourished by the body and blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And then at the end of Mass, what? Go. The Mass is finished. Go back into the world and you as priests, prophets, and kings continue to keep your mission the mission, the submission that you have, the little part of that mission of Jesus. And it's so, 
I don't know, invisible or plain, hidden, but real. And, and all creation is longing for each one of you to be the children of God, to bring about justice, to bring about charity, to bring about reconciliation, to bring peace to hearts that are restless because they do not know the love of the Father for them. And we do this little by little, offering different little sacrifices. But wait, that's not it, right? There's more. Because I only talked about the kingly and the priestly. Let's look at the prophetic and the priestly. Those thanks. So in the offertory, we not only bring our, our sacrifices or our offerings up, we also bring our thanksgivings. Let me just, let me just kind of go through some of these. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you. Are you bringing to the Mass the very individual and specific and concrete thanks for how the Lord is working in and through your life? There is where that active participation needs to be aimed at. I can say thank you, and that's nice, but what are you thanking me for? Oh, just things. That tells me that you're not a very good steward. Right? This, this intermittent period between the first and the second coming of Jesus there's, we spoke about this third coming that's kind of in the middle of these two things. The coming in mystery of Jesus. This continual practice of bringing before the Lord those gifts that he's given me, that sum of money that he's given to me, and what are you doing with it? Well, here it is back to you. I received it at the last Mass that I went to, and then you sent me out with more. And then I'm coming back, and I'm giving thanks to you because someone, you were able to use me because, um, here's Rosalie, right? Because someone came and thanked me for the hospitality that I gave because, um, I mean, naturally she gave someone a toothbrush, right? But um, maybe that hospitality, like, oh, I can stop worrying now about a toothbrush and I can start paying attention to the Bible study that I'm supposed to be doing. And I thank Rosalie for it because it was just a small little thing. So those little things, the gifts that God has given to you or charisms, those manifestations, those are what you are bringing back to the offertory and bringing them up. And maybe they're just small. Maybe the, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in your life are just in seed form. 
right? Maybe people are like saying thanks, but they can't really articulate what they mean. Well, okay, still bring that thanks back and say, I don't know what I'm giving you thanks for, but I know that I'm trying to give you thanks. Teach me, Holy Spirit, to be more articulate and understanding what is this gift. I thank you for it. I just don't know what it is yet. I can't, can't put it together. The instructions are in a different language. They're Ikea instructions, right? And they're just like a little bit too complicated. Help me to understand them. But it's important to give thanks because it's easy to give more to people who are filled with gratitude. So when we come forward, that's what we're doing in the offertory. We're bringing our, our, offertory, our offerings, our sacrifices, and we're bringing our thanksgiving. And both of those, as we're integrating and beginning to integrate all three of those, our priesthood, our prophetic, and our kingly functions as a person, then I unite myself in the supercharged moment of the Mass. Do you know what a supercharger is? Some cars have superchargers. Most, I mean, most cars are just normally aspirated or normal power. Some people have turbo power, right? Turbo is a, a second little part on your engine that gives you a boost. A supercharger is the boost is always there. There's no lingering time, right? The supercharged part of the Mass is... Is, is directly linked to our theme. Let Come, let us worship. When these things, our thanksgivings and our sacrifices, are united to Christ, then we are united to Christ, and the great amen is our amen, I believe. And that's when the priest lifts up the Paschal mystery, Jesus himself, and if you're united there in what you've brought, then we all participate in what I, when I pray. Through him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours, almighty God, forever and ever. That, my brothers and sisters, is a gift that we have that those that are not Catholic do not have. Our baptized brothers and sisters that are Protestant, evangelical, they may be much more highly developed in their prophetic ministries, their ability to, to know what gifts they have and to use them for mission, but they have no place to unite incarnately. God did not just come in spirit. He took on flesh. And this is the design, the plan of Jesus to bring about all creation in union with him, in him, through him, in this Holy Spirit, all glory and honor to the Father. So Mass is boring, right? There's, there's no reason to, to go to Mass. Why do Catholics go to Mass? Unfortunately, most Catholics 
have no idea why they come to Mass. We don't know who we are as children of God, and the world is suffering because of it. But it's Advent, right? This is the time. This is what a retreat is like. We step back and we see the bigger picture and we wake up. There's something more of the mystery that has been revealed to me through this gift that I possess of the divine person of the Holy Trinity within me to teach me to move forward at least another step. Maybe now, it doesn't matter what church you go to when you leave from here, when you go to Mass anywhere, and the priests, unfortunately, a lot of priests don't even, there's, I mean, our, our faith is so rich. There's a lot of priests that, but it doesn't matter if the priests don't understand your charisms or understand how to pastor you well. It's Jesus in the mystery or the sacrament of the Eucharist that helps us to be more integrated in our life and to bring us. Every priest at every Mass says these things, acting in, through the ministerial priesthood, the person of Jesus. And full, active, conscious participation means bringing all creation, all the world, if you work for Verizon, or you work for the school district, or you work for uh, Kmart, all creation can be brought to Mass and, and in small ways become sanctified. And you are the agent of holiness. So, wow, right? There's so much, and it's, it's, but it's simple. But there's so much, but it's hidden. There's so much. Wow. Our Father loves us. And he's inviting us to participate in, I would say, probably the greatest, most desirable thing that we have to bring us back into relationship to right relationship to the Father. And it's given to us. So, glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.